ho, ho. Welcome to the Highlander Cast, the official podcast of the Seven Point Highlander format. I'm your non-specific festive season character, and with me is Vance. Hi. And of course we have Saab. Hello everyone. I'll leave you two to get acquainted. Happy holidays! Ho ho ho! Well that was weird, wasn't it? What a strange festive chap he was. Very strange. Well, I, hang on. I th- I think I've got a I think I've got a gift under the tree slash festivus slash secular pole slash tree. I think it's a pile of cards. Looks like seven magic cards in specific. I think we have our theme for our episode. Oh, that sounds like fun. Let me have a look here. All right. Nothing's more exciting than opening up seven of my favourite magic cards. I think it's time for us to explain to the audience the nature of our very, very special holiday season episode. So everyone, if you've just tuned in right now, I'm very, very sorry, because we might have scared you with our strange secular character. We have <laughs> we have a special one for you this particular week slash fortnight, and we're going to be going through our very, very favourite, uh, seven very, very favourite cards. Now, we put some limitations on ourselves when we were designing this particular set of favourite cards. Uh, what were the limitations, Vance? So, what we decided we would do is, um, we were, at first we were just going to talk about our favourite cards, and we're like, oh, we should talk about seven of them, because, you know, theme. But that was too broad, so we said, alright, we don't want any cards that are points, uh, currently, as of recording, um, and we want to have one each of the non-tribal card types, so Creature, Planeswalker, Sorcery, Land, Artifact, Enchantment, Instant. And one of the each of one of each of the five colours plus a colourless card plus a gold card. Which is a harder set of things to find than you might initially think, and have them all be cards you can describe as, you know, some approximation of a favourite card. You spend a lot of time going, oh, I'm gonna put this card in, then oh no, wait, then I can't my blue card is my land. Oh, and for um lands, what we decided is that if a card produces a colour of mana then it's that colour, um, although the rule is not hard and fast. Yeah, it's a typical situation of, uh, you know, limitations breed creativity. You go to any format, you know, Wizards will announce a brand new format, or there'll be some kind of uh, a really perfect example with uh, Commander, when people put it, it, it just um, random restrictions on themselves. Okay, I'm going to build a a deck with the pirate as the as the commander so that means that all of my decks have to have a all of my cards have to have some kind of pirate theme so there'll be ships or you know that kind of stuff so we put limitations in ourselves and i tell you what it was really really hard and if i'm thinking to myself yeah. like okay what's my favorite instant uh it's probably going to be like brainstorm or something but that means it's my blue card so that means is my m- favorite blue card ever brainstorm Maybe. But if I do that, then I push out another possible card from contention. So really, really difficult. Uh, but I think we've got a bevy of very interesting cards to talk about today. Uh, we'll, we'll tell you what they... What... I actually ended up with 
sort of placing an additional restriction on myself. Mm. All seven of these are cards that they go in a specific order. They sort of go through my history playing magic. Ah, nice. Because I'd realized that a couple of them did that and it helped me work out what my other favorite cards were. Ah, that's a clever way to go about it. So we have seven different types of cards to talk with you about. Artifact, land, enchantment, instant sorcery, planeswalker, and creature. And we also have five different... uh, it's that the seven, right? Uh, we also have seven different uh, colours, i.e. the five main colours, uh, multicolour and colourless. Should we start off with one that might be uh, not really pigeonholed? There is a way to answer this. Uh, that is artifact. Well, mine go in a specific order. Okay, well, let's go with your order because your order is going to be more relevant than mine. Mine was haphazard. Okay, They're so my, my first one is a sorcery. Okay, let's go for sorcery. What's your favourite sorcery and what colour is it? I'm going to be honest. Some of these aren't strictly my favourite of whatever, but they're pretty close. So my favourite sorcery that I want to talk about today is Brain Geyser. Ah, nice. Can you tell us what the card does? So it's two blue and X and target player draws X cards. It's a card that newer players you know, probably don't see a lot because it's kind of outclassed these days. But um, one of the first, well, I guess two of the first kinds of decks that I played, so in the beginning when people were just playing whatever, I played a, an Underworld Dreams deck that had you know Wheel of Fortunes and so on. Um, and one of the first blue cards, I think possibly one of the first blue cards I ever played was Brain Geyser, because obviously once you've got an Underworld Dreams out, it's just, you know... It's a fireball that can also draw you cards. And then one of the first sort of real decks I remember playing um, is Keeper, the old vintage deck. So the the Brian Wiseman style um, deck. And certainly uh, in the beginning, Brain Guys was one of the key cards in that because it was one of the few cards that would let you draw more than, you know, a couple of cards at a time that wasn't ancestral. Mm-hmm. So... What's your favourite sorcery, Sav? Uh, so my favourite sorcery uh, is White and it uh, yeah. is Replenish. So, oh, that's a sweet card. Yeah, it's so cool. Uh, I remember Replenish back when I was playing in high school. Uh, so I started playing in about Stronghold, and uh, Replenish was, you know, in the basically the next block after that. And Replenish, for those who don't know, is a four mana white sorcery that returns all of your uh, your enchantments from the graveyard to play, and. When I, I I just remember um, seeing sweet, crazy, bonkers decks at the time and not owning Replenish, and it took me ages until I finally actually got myself a copy. And then when I did, that kind of era had gone, and (laughs) I kind of went, oh, now I can never play this. And so then what happened was when I started playing uh, Highlander, uh, I've got the you know the shortlist cards in the box of Highlander playables, and at yep. one point I was just scrolling through these playables, and I pull out my old copy of Replenish, this beat up copy, and I think there's a deck here. There's definitely a deck. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I brewed yep. a deck and had so much fun with it, um, and I will say that one of my honourable mentions for enchantmenty theme actually comes from the same deck that I play Replenish in, which is called Lay Claim. Now, the problem is Lay Claim is both blue and an enchantment, which just didn't fit with anywhere in my categories. But Lay Claim is is so sweet with Replenish because it is basically a seven mana enchantment that steals a permanent permanently. And yep. uh, it has cycling on it. So you cycle it to draw cards and then you cast Replenish and just incidentally grab your opponent's Planeswalker. It's so much fun. 
Um, nice. Yeah, but that's my card, Replenish. So what's next on, on your list? My second one, chronologically, is a land. Oh, interesting. The land it is isn't Kelden Megaliths, although... I do love Kelden Megaliths, <laughs> but uh, it's Pendlehaven. Oh, yeah. Nice. So Pendlehaven... So it's green, by I the think way, I, for your it, It's green. It's my green mm. card. Yep. Pendlehaven, I think I might have played it in Nine Land Green at some point, but the deck I most remember playing it in, um, which I've talked about on the podcast before, is the Secret Force deck uh, I played in Highlander, which was the first um, deck I won a Highlander event with. Because it just, you know, pumps up your little elves and whatever, and um, it feels like a fairly minor effect, but it adds up over the course of a game. So... Yeah, yeah, so just giving plus one, plus two is surprisingly good when your opponents have, you know, two damage spells and these types of things just to get that, that creature out of range. Um, or, or just for turning your Lanar Elf into a more, more relevant threat. Mm, yeah, mm, Attacking for two. It actually turns it into a Curd Ape, right? Because it's a 2-3. Well, that's true. And I do love a good Curd <laughs> It's on theme. <laughs> so what's your Lancer? Well, you're going chronologically, and so yours is basically... One of one of the oldest um, lands that is still played today in, in yeah. you know, things like modern with uh, Pendlehaven. Mine's the other end of the spectrum. So for land, yep. I chose blue. Uh, blue land is a very very recent card, Mystic Sanctuary. Now, oh yeah, it's pretty sweet. Oh, this card is bonkers. For those who haven't played it yet, it's from Eldraine. It's uh, a when it comes into play, if you control three other islands, it comes into play untapped. Taps for a blue, and it also returns a uh, an instant or sorcery from your graveyard on top of your deck. And the best part is, its land type is island. So yeah. your misty rainforest, when you draw it late in the game, is just essentially representing an ancestral recall or a time walk or something else. Doesn't even <clears> have to be a busted card. You can be returning cards that are not pointed. You know, a critical lightning bolt at the right time, and your opponent looks at it, sees the writing on the wall or the lightning on the wall, and goes, yeah, "I'm dead <laughs> next turn unless I do something." So. Uh, yeah, I really, really like it. Its power level is high. Um, it's got sweet art on it as well. Um, so, yeah, that's my, my land. It was actually... Land is really hard because with land, I most of the interesting lands were going to be colourless-based. Uh, on the top of my colourless list was Field of Ruin because I think it's really, really changed Highlander, allowing control decks to have a wasteland effect without having to pay a point. Um, but, yeah, yeah colourless just didn't really fit because I've got a different colourless card. So what's next on your list? Oh, I'll go on in a sec. I had a similar problem with um, colourless. It's actually quite hard. Well, I found it quite hard to pick an artefact I wanted that wasn't colourless. But there's a couple of gold ones that come close. But um, anyway, that's, actually next on my list. that's really funny because on my uh, artefact list, as I was going through my short list of trying to decide on my final configuration, uh, was Phyrexian Metamorph. So I kind of had oh, yeah. that. It's yeah, like, yeah. this is a blue card, but it's also a creature. It's also an artifact, and I was going to put it as my artifact as a blue card um, because I really, really love it in pod decks where you're just going to, you know, sacrifice your your dork into a Stranger Root Geist and then you're a Stranger Root Geist into a Eternal Witness and your Eternal Witness into a Phyrexia Metamorph. Oh, look at that. I've got another one of the things I want to do. Yeah, I love that card. So my next one is Creatures, and I'm going to go through some things that it's not first <laughs> because... I had a lot of difficulty narrowing down creatures, and to some extent it was influenced by what I wanted to put in other categories. But uh, So it's not Wild and the Cattle or Scavenging Ooze. It's not Thunderbreak Regent, which I do love. Like, if I was making a list without this requirement of the top seven cards, it is would be surprise me if 
at least one of the next three things wasn't on it. So it's not that. <laughs> it's not Grim Lava Mancer. That's, and that's, it was a very nearly... that's the biggest surprise for me, that it's not Grim Lava Mancer. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was very nearly, but is not Kurt Ape. Mm, interesting. So it's a black creature, and it's Braid's Cabal Minion. Oh, wow. Braids is such a fun card. I mean, for for exactly one person at the table, to be <laughs> fair. But, like... It's basically a smokestack, right? If you could explain to the audience Yeah, it so, so it's it's two black and two. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, they sacrifice an artifact creature or land. Mm-hmm. Not enchantments, because it's black, and not planeswalkers, because they didn't exist. It's, it's one of those cards... That, so, when, when it came out, I was going through a period where I really enjoyed playing LD decks. Because um, I was, you know, a horrifying degenerate. <laughs> and when Braids got printed, I just, like, the art is great. Uh, and what it does is, it's not quite unique because Smokestack exists, exists, but it's largely unique and was at a really high power level for um, its time. So in the uh, regional regional champs, state champs, whichever one it was that didn't qualify you for Nats, which is always just after the set comes out or was when they existed, I... Wanted to play um, Braids, wasn't sure it was good enough. Then I discovered from playing some games at the store and stuff the weekend before that basically all the good players in the ACT were either playing Domain or there was a bunch of people on this red, green, blue um, deck playing things like uh, Beast Attack and Prophetic Bolt because uh, this was Invasion Block plus Odyssey, basically. Ah, oh, yeah. Um, which, which meant that a deck that destroyed your opponent's resources was really well positioned. So I sleeved it up, played it, uh, won the first four rounds incredibly easily. I'm not 100% sure I lost. I definitely didn't lose a match. I'm not sure I lost a game. And then I have the most depressing deck check uh, I've ever had. So I'm getting deck checked. And Dave Lowe, who some of you will know and many of you won't because he hasn't been running things for long, but he used to run all the... Uh, he's the reason there is a National Highlander points list because uh, he used to run the events at Nats and he said to the Melbourne and, and Canberra people, I'm just going to mash these lists together at random until one of you gives me a conjoined one. Um, and after a couple of years, people did. For- forcing all the politicians in the room to give them, you know, you, you, you all, we all know that you all have the best interests of everyone at heart, but you disagree on them. Now you have to work together. You just have to. <laughs> you sort it out because you would rather that than what I'm doing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> nice. He calls me up to the front and said, there's a problem with your deck list. You've written here, because it was, it was a red-black deck, because I, I was playing... Um, Stone Rain, probably, and I don't know, some burn spells. Mm-hmm. Is, um, in your lands, you've written six mountains, and I'm like, yeah. And it's like, and then the next line says eight mountains. <laughs> okay. But your deck contains eight swamps. Oh, I'm like, no. oh no. That's pretty um, straightforward. And the, ru- and the ruling the rules were in the day that if the deck list is legal, you make the decks match that. Uh, oh, and no. so I dropped because Casting a deck which is mostly black off, like I think I had four Shadow Blood Ridge and there might have been like a Painland or something, but it's like oh, it's just not. <laughs> yeah, you're not. Anyway. You're not casting braids off off. Uh, you know, you're not happily casting all of your. Because I think I was playing some creature that cost double black as well. B, yeah, B, um, B, braids is BB too, right? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That so spe- anyway. Speaking of of flavor though. Uh, so you know how the the cabal and um, you know the madness concept and yeah. you know, the actual flavor of these things. You were saying how good the art is. I think Braids' yep. art just sums up that so well. 
You know, the, oh, it, it does. It's, it's perfect. Yeah. It's absolutely perfect. L- look at my, you know, goth lady going completely out of her mind in a graveyard. <laughs> uh, ten stars. Bang on. Anyway, what's your favourite creature, Sal? So uh, I'm going to have to say snap just on the colour because my favourite creature is black as well. Ah. So we, we actually uh, lined up right there in the middle. Now, er- initially, it was going to be green. And yep. everyone knows I have a very, very strong love for Hooting Mandrills and for yep. Vengevine. And Hooting Mandrills yep. trampling over True Name Nemesis and Vengevine coming back with survival. But I could not choose green for this. So uh, the black cards, even with black, I had difficulty narrowing it down because I went, hey, Tassiger. Tassiger is awesome. I, I love him in all these fair decks. But then I went, no, what is the tr- what, what truly sums up decks that I like to do degenerate things with. And it's number one, the big daddy of black creatures is Grizzlebrand. Grizzlebrand is absolutely insane. Now, uh, I'm not going to wax lyrical about Grizzlebrand because I think it's a boring topic. Go to any legacy podcast and you can hear about how absolutely degenerate Grizzlebrand is and so on. So what I'm going to do is talk about my second favourite one. And my second favourite black creature is Bitterheart Witch. Now, sorry, what? Bitterheart Witch. Now, she is a five mana creature, black and four, and she has some power and toughness. Who cares? Not really interested. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, it's all about that, uh, that dies trigger. Now, when she dies, you can search your library for an enchantment and put that enchantment onto the battlefield. And if you're sensing a theme with Replenish from before, I like to do unfair things where they don't cost the mana that you're meant to spend on them. <laughs> and so Bitter Heart Witch for me is a uh, a kind of stop back, a stepping, uh, not stop gap, a stepping stone between. Uh, uh, m- not having an overwhelming splendor on the battlefield and having an overwhelming splendor on the battlefield <laughs> or a um, cruel reality. So overwhelming splendor is hum... Because she only fetches curses, Curses, she? that's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Specifically yep. curses. And these these curses, the best ones that you're going to be after are going to be uh, one-sided humility <laughs> in the form of overwhelming splendor, which normally costs eight, uh, or... Cruel Reality. I really like Cruel Reality. It's like a seven mana enchantment. No one's ever paying that, don't worry. I, actually, sorry, it, I have. It's basically like, it's the, it's the abyss, but they also lose life at some point. Yeah, they, they basically have to sacrifice a creature, and if they can't, they lose five life. And yeah, it's it's a really, really, um, it's like a such a slow way to kill your opponent. <laughs> and you do it, and you just put it out, and you're just like, look, I just basically can't lose the game. But the actual winning is going to take about six or seven turns. <laughs> so um, so it's a lot of fun to actually, you know, finish the game that way. Uh, but, yeah, Bitterheart Witch, yeah, she she loves a good Cabal Therapy, or, you know, um, you can sometimes Collective Brutality Bitterheart Witch. And, yeah, it's, it's so much fun. Uh, I mean, it really, really sums up the kind of things I like to do uh, in Highlander. Um, and that's my, that's my creature. So what's next on your list? Yeah, that's cool. Um, I'm a little bit surprised your creature wasn't Emrakul, but, yeah, um, next on my list. Colorless, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Next on my list is my instant. It was for, for several versions of this list, which I couldn't quite get to gel together. Um, this was going to be Bounty of the Hunt. Oh, nice. That's that's uh, Force of Green, right? Before Force of Green existed. Yeah. 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 So it's God. Do I remember exactly what it does? It's you pitch a green card to cast it. I mean, it costs five, but you're never paying that. You distribute three plus one plus one. But the card I did pick was uh, Lightning Helix. Ah, nice. So it's your multicolor card. Yeah, this is my gold card. There were several versions of, the, of my list where I was going to cheat Kurt Ape in as a gold card, but that didn't end up happening. <laughs> um, it's kind of a gold card. Yeah, yeah, it works. Sort of. like, anyway, you never play it not as, uh, you know... Not, not in red-green, no, that's mm. right. But um, Lightning Helix was um, one of the key cards in... A deck I top forward GP Melbourne 2004, 2003 with, which was a red-white uh, deck. So it was just after Rav came out, mm-hmm. uh, whenever that was. And, um, yeah, it was a really sweet deck. Um, like, it wasn't quite a 2020-20 aggro deck, but it was pretty close to that. Like, you were playing very few lands, a bunch of burn, a bunch of creatures, um, mm-hmm. a bunch of cool weird stuff like uh, Goblin Legionnaire in there. And it's also a deck that I played that I got indirectly on Star City accused of cheating for playing. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> yeah, there was an article on Star City by, I don't know, some American pro. So this deck was designed by one of the Japanese pros. I forget which one. Um, and, and this article was like, oh, you know, there's so few land in this deck. It can't possibly work. Anyone playing it has to be cheating, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and then there was an article, a follow-up article written by... Um, I think it might have been Nassif, I'm not 100% sure, saying, well, maybe you just don't understand how you're supposed to play a deck this aggressive. It's been doing well in hands of other people, including this Andrew Vance guy who just top forward a GP in Australia mm. with it. Blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, um, that was my extremely brief claim to fame at that time. But look, it was a sweet deck. It qualified me for the only Pro Tour I've ever been to. Um, and yeah, Lightning Helix is a card that, I mean, I still always play in zoo when i play zoo it's uh an incredible tool for and against aggressive decks mm. um great card i think with lightning helix uh as soon as you said my favorite you know instant is lightning helix uh my instant uh recall is just that scene with oh Randy my god yeah yeah <laughs> that is just... oh my god it's lightning helix <laughs> That is just so perfect. I I, I love that video. <laughs> well, yeah. So uh, I'm I'm one of the people you can hear in the background screaming and cheering because I was watching that live when it happened uh, that's at so the Pro good. Tour. Um, yeah, that was pretty exciting. Like I'm not gonna lie, that was a excellent play and really exciting to watch live. And it's also one of the top tier Magic memes. Yeah, um, yeah. That and for any of you who. For any of you who are somehow too young to know this, just pause what you're listening to, go to YouTube, type in, oh my God, it's Lightning Helix. Uh, you will not be sad. <laughs> Classic. So what? what's your favorite instant, Sav? All right, so my favorite instant, I chose green in this, this category. Uh, in, interestingly, uh, if, you, if you chose, if, if you asked me this question one year ago, it'll be a different card. So the thing is, what the my favorite green instant right now is Veil of Summer. 
But Veil of Summer oh, yeah. is so obviously busted that... That card's quite unfair. Yep. Yeah, yeah, one minor <laughs> cryptic command. Uh, there's so little to talk about how insanely good that card is and how format warping it is and how many times it's been banned in things that I'd rather talk about my answer to this question if you asked me one year ago. Okay. So... What would your answer have been a year ago? Time walking back. Let's go to... Uh, yeah, you know, twenty eight, tw- tw- uh, n- the nineties through to twenty eighteen. <laughs> yep. My my favorite instant green is seed time. Oh yeah. Oh, yep. I love me a good seed time. If you have not seen what seed time does, it is to to summarize, it is a time walk for green. Now, there's a few hoops you need to jump through to make that actually a time walk for green, but it essentially says, if your opponent cast a blue spell this turn, you're able to cast it. You're also only able to cast it during your turn. So the very specific circumstances are, are when you cast a creature, they counterspell it, and you respond, or don't have to respond, you just cast sometime later that turn, seed time, because you've now satisfied all of the restrictions. Uh Normally, that's not the ideal scenario because you were creating something that provided you pressure, like the creature. The creature gets countered, then you take an extra turn, and it just enables you to redo what you just did. Um, The best time that seed time is insane is when your opponent does not respect seed time. So they go, end of your turn, Vendillion click. Or end of your turn, uh, brainstorm. That's the best one. End of your turn, brainstorm. They put nothing on the board, no pressure whatsoever, no way to deal with your pressure. They just cast a brainstorm. You're like, sure, let it resolve. And then after they've selected what cards they want in their hand and what one's going to be on top of their deck so that they're going to untap and do that thing, they go, oh, wait a second, I don't get a turn. And you go back to your turn and you just swing with your bros. And your opponent's going, what? Hooting Mandrills? What? Vengevine? All those green characters? They come out to play with your extra turn. I absolutely love seed time. Nice. <laughs> so so let's just do, do a quick uh, head count. So I've got left colourless white and red. What colours have you got left? Uh, I have colourless, I have red, and I have multicolour. Ah, yeah, uh, so, and, and we've got enchantments, artifacts, and planeswalkers. Now, I think I know where your red's going. <laughs> I think this one's um, telegraphed from a mile away. <laughs> <laughs> but next, we're going to do artifacts. Mm-hmm. My favorite artifact, uh, and it's a card that not enough people put in their decks. Um, it's a card I play in Zoo, uh, and it's Curse Scroll. Mm, nice. So, for anyone out there in Listener Land who doesn't know what Curse Scroll does, it's a one mana artifact. Uh, that has an ability which is three and tap, name a card. Then your opponent picks a random card from your hand. If it's the named card, you deal two to a target. And it's a card that when you first read it, you're like, oh, it's deal two sometimes, I guess. And then you're like, oh, no, wait, always deal two because you're playing this in a deck that's designed to have a hand to, to be heck bent. Um, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To always have one card in hand by the time that you want to activate it. So it's just, it's a really good piece of uh, board control and late game and inevitability for an aggressive deck to have. Uh, Honourable mention, Smuggler's Copter, which, like, I vacillated between these two a fair amount because Smuggler's Copter is also quite sweet. The other one, which I nearly 
put in in a you know alternate Earth version of this list is uh, Sharoom the Hegemon. Oh, uh, nice. That card's just that card's just sweet. But what's your favorite artifact, Sav? So for artifact, I went with Colorless as well. Now uh, there was a, a bit of a short list because I was I was gonna do Vidalcan Shackles which is a colourless card, but in reality, look, that's a blue card. You know? It's kind of a blue card, yeah. Yep. So I, I, I just thought, nah, respect the game. Don't don't put Vidalcan Shackles there. Uh, I, was, I was also going to put Null Rod, and I didn't really know why, but there's something really satisfying about just bringing a Null Rod in from your board against the right decks, and knowing that you've got this one card in your deck that absolutely destroys your opponent and your opponent's but, just but, gonna cry but does, it, um, does it solve it, it it does nothing but it yeah it does nothing no no <laughs> it does it does <laughs> it doesn't do anything no it does nothing yeah so so uh, um there's another colorless card that pushes null rod out of it for me and it's probably a card that i've played a surprisingly large amount of time uh, times, and when I looked over all of my brews, I'm like, "Wow, this actually appears a lot." It's Mox Diamond. Now, oh yeah, it might kind of tap for many different colors of mana, and you might be able to consider it like a multicolor card. But usually, it's into you know a green deck or maybe a deck that wants to be fast, like you know a blue red deck or something like that. So I I thought it's okay to be colorless for this particular one. Now, yeah, uh, look, there are rules. We'll do what we want yeah. with them. <laughs> now the um, uh, I, I think I think it. We said <laughs> when we were planning this episode, uh, we said yeah, but what's a fetch land? Oh, is a fetch land colorless or does it tap for the colors of the lands that you tap? And we went well. Look, if you want to choose a fetch land as your favorite land, then just power to you. Go go for it. <laughs> like that's yeah, that's, that's fine. Right. Um. So, yeah, Mox Diamond. If you haven't played a Mox Diamond before, uh, it's an exorbitantly expensive reserve list card for just no real reason, right? Just I guess there's not very many of them around. Don't know. But it was uh, printed in da, 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 Stronghold, if I remember correctly, which was the first set I ever played. So It was definitely Mirage Block, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I have really kind of nostalgic feelings for it because it was around in... All those decks that just shouldn't play it, you know, in high school, where you just have no idea about mana bases and, you know, just, oh, this this is really cool, it's a Mox. And, <laughs> but you just played, you just didn't even play a land for the turn and you played your Mox Diamond, which you'd been waiting for, to play for three turns. <laughs> Around in all those decks in high school where you play it and then you put it onto the concrete and tap it and go... Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, I have a soul ring that I tapped on concrete in uh, in <laughs> high school. It is yeah. munted. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> you know, bent to all heck. Um, so Mox Diamond... I. I find that I I play it a lot in um, uh, decks that just want to go off relatively swiftly. Uh, things like Recycle, where you just kind of want to vomit all these elves onto the battlefield, and also um, in anything with Life from the Loam, really. So I I found that I sleeved it up so often, and the feeling there's there's just there's there's this kind of feeling that you get. When you play a a mox, 
and you're just on the play and you, you vault yourself one to two turns ahead of your opponent and you just feel like you're on top of the world. It's it's such an amazing feeling. Now, when you get to life from the loam back the land you discarded to it and continue to make your land drops, uh, I just find that Mox Diamond is just one of the one of the joys, the joys of magic. Yep. Nice. <laughs> All right. Two to go. Two to go. Uh, oh, so, exciting. So my second last one, um, and there's a bit of a backstory to where this one comes from. Um, it is a card that I played in Keeper back in the day, um, but the deck that made me think of it was one uh, that I called Old Blocks Control. So there was a there's a bit of a meta problem in Highlander where over time, if it, with enough sets released, Highlander becomes functionally legacy, basically, mm-hmm. um, because the difference between being a singleton format and not being a singleton format is completely irrelevant once you've got enough variations of essentially you know if there's 20 curd apes then you can just play all of them the best way um, to demonstrate that is looking at say any of the mid green based mid-range decks and you look at them and they're yeah. running anywhere between four and eight mana dorks depending on yeah, the particular that's right. list and you look at them and you just go these are these are just all birds of paradise interchangeably or these are all noble hierarchs interchangeably we don't we don't mind and, and some of them are worse than others like in, in most of those decks, Avacyn's Pilgrim is not as good as Noble Hierarch. But it's not enough worse that you care. Exactly. Anyway, so there was a discussion um, that uh, myself, Tolly, uh, Dave Searle, JP had about theoretical alternate Highlanders that solve this problem or reduce this problem. Um, and there was one we came up with which was called... Um, I don't actually remember what we called it. But it was essentially a uh, build-your-own-standard Highlander. So you picked... Uh, any two blocks, any two core sets, a, ABU counted as a block, not a core set, um, and you built a high end deck out of only those cards. Oh, that's super interesting. Interesting and very hard for most people to get their head around. Mm. Um, it was the drawback of it. But um, one of the blocks was, because we were using what Wizards defined as blocks, so one of the blocks Wizards design, defined is old sets or old blocks, which is... Uh, Arabian Nights, Antiquities, Legends, um, Fallen Empires in the Dark, I think. Um, which has a bunch of powerful cards, but also mostly is bad cards. So we're like, yeah, people can play that. <laughs> um, and I built a deck, uh, a control deck for this format, which was built around playing uh, some some of those powerful old cards. Um, and the one that I have chosen for this, which is a card that is kind of weird, but I do enjoy a lot, is the Moat. Or is it just moat? I don't know. Whatever. Uh, the moat. Because I've been on both sides of this exchange mm-hmm. and there is definitely something uh, exciting and powerful about being the person who just gets to say, no, I don't care about 80% of the creatures in your deck anymore because they don't fly. So the moat, for anyone who uh, hasn't seen it, is two white mana and two generic. Uh, enchantment. Creatures without flying can't attack. Just can't. Um, some of them might not recognize Moat. Uh, they might recognize Fossato or something like that because it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Italian. <laughs> I can't, Italian Moat's much more just, common. I just remember that is just always on the battlefield. It's just an Italian version of Moat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and there was, there was a number of other enchantments that were close to this. Like Underworld Dreams would probably have been my pick if I hadn't picked Braids earlier because that's a card that... Um, 
I got in one of the few Legends boosters I got to purchase when the set came out. Um, oh, sweet. Like, I, <laughs> I was going to a friend's place. I went to, the, to the, the local shopping mall on the way, went to a comic book shop, and they had this new set called Legends. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll buy... Uh, I could afford four boosters or five boosters, so I just bought them. Went to my friend's place, we cracked them, and there was just... Like, Legends is a set that is actually mostly terrible mm-hmm. but is so flavorful particularly compared to this the sense of the time like you know you look now at cards like um Savitri Skarzam and Riven Turnbull and you're like <laughs> those <laughs> cards are so bad like uh various of them are crawl worms that cost an extra mana and are two colors yeah but they get to tap um, for mana you know the well, best thing is to don't. get six or seven drop to tap for like a blue <laughs> yeah, but some of them don't even do do that. Um, I can't remember which. Like Lady of the Mountain, I think is exactly Crawl Worm, but it also costs red mana. Um, <laughs> they're objectively terrible cards, but the flavor was just like people talk a lot about how uh, you know if you change any of the cards in Alpha, maybe Magic doesn't exist, and they might be right. But Legends is the set that I think made Magic really explode because. The, the flavor of it is just amazing. But um, so one of the things we did in, in years later, there was a period where Canberra ran an invitational. So over the course of a year, people earned points doing various things mm-hmm. um, and, you know, state champions and whatever. And we invited eight of them along and played um, some various weird formats. Um, most of it involved... Uh, the finals was always um, five booster Iron Man sealed. <laughs> nice. <laughs> of what set? <laughs> Uh, of whatever the most recent set was. Yeah, I remember people tearing up... Uh, I think someone tore up a foil spirit monger one year at a point where it was worth a not inconsiderable amount. <laughs> anyway, um, and I'm getting quite off topic, and we'll get back in a second, but, you know, we've got we've got time, and that's what this kind of episode is for. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the years we did uh, a rotisserie draft. Uh, a rotisserie draft is where you get every card in the set and you lay them out, and you go around picking cards. Um, face up. Um, so we Rochester? did a no. Rochester is a is where you do that with individual boosters. Oh, so you have fifteen cards right. at a time, um, and you you go one to eight, eight to one sort of thing. Yeah, that's right. Uh, rotisserie draft is the same, but, but the it's the whole, whole set at once. All, all the, cards. the whole set is available. Right, right, right. Um, and one of the things, if you are in the unlikely circumstance where you're ever in a position to do a legends draft, to know <laughs> is that. Red commons in Legends are god awful. Are they cobalt? No, is that? Are they? There's a bunch of cobalts, right? Yeah. Um, red has the honor in that set of having exactly one. Let me guess. Chain lightning. Common creature. Oh. No, chain lightning's uncommon. Oh, it's got no. exactly one common creature with power that is allowed to attack, <laughs> and it's a two mana two one. Oh, that is abysmal. <laughs> um, anyway, so I've gone wildly off track, but yeah, the moat, it's a sweet card. I kind of wish it didn't exist and I kind of love it. What, what is your card, Sav, I'm, that we definitely don't already know? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have an interlude here and just apologise yep. for the background noise that might be might be occurring. I think I think I've heard some random pop-ups on your end and then on my end there's, there's people I'm in a parking lot right now. So there's people randomly starting their cars up and um, every so often I see the waveform in the recording and it just starts to just blow out of proportion. So if you if you're hearing this kind of background noise 
um, and it hasn't been edited out. We apologise. It was just the only time slot that we were able to to meet up. I'm uh, convening a grading panel where we're we're testing a, a student for his black belt, and all the sensei come in from around South Australia, and they all preside over the panel to you know essentially maintain a certain standard. Um, and the only way that we could record this cast is to literally squeeze it in between, <laughs> between right before this thing. Well, they can't start without me anyway, so I'll just, you know, <laughs> I'll just wait here. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, get, I'll get some mad looks of people. Quiet, in. peasants, I was talking about Highlander. <laughs> Fair random people with a fucking like just giving me scowls. <laughs> Every time someone comes over to the car, I'm just like gesturing I'm on the phone. So <laughs> for all they know, it's a teleconference, important business meeting. So uh, everyone who's listening Actually, to this is important business meeting <laughs> just before you go on there were two other cards that i've got as honorable mentions for enchantments and i just realized they're all from legends so there was moat which i picked underworld dreams mm-hmm. uh, the abyss and sylvan library i hadn't actually realized that i just apparently like enchantments from legends oh, legends enchantments. no That's... no enchantments for the rest of you sets sorry <laughs> tribal please go tribal on. legends enchantments <laughs> awesome i love it <laughs> Highlander, you can only build enchantments from legends, and you, can, <laughs> you choose a you choose a set, and that's what you get from in, enchantment instant sorcery. You, you choose a set and yeah. a card type, and you have that in land. That's <laughs> nice. That's that's some real festive season, you know, <laughs> holidays holiday goodness format. <laughs> so uh. mine, mine is uh, also an old card, but not that old. Uh, mine was very very obvious. Uh, I have chosen red for my enchantment, and anyone who oh. cannot guess what that is, just go and Google Annihilator Six Adelaide Eternal or uh, something like that. And is it is <laughs> it is it Caverns of Despair? Oh, you are so close. <laughs> <laughs> so my my enchantment uh, is the the ubiquitous red enchantment from Legacy as well. It's Sneak Attack. Now yeah. Sneak Attack it. Uh, not only is it a powerful card, it's a four mana enchantment, it's got an activated ability, one red, and you can do this any number of times because it's got a colon after it. You put a creature from your hand onto the battlefield, it has haste, and some irrelevant text happens afterwards. You know, it goes to the graveyard afterwards, but who cares? You probably won the game already. It's largely irrelevant. Um, now, Sneak Attack also has such sweet art. And I mean the the OG art. The, the new art's pretty cool. It's got like a goblin, you know, launching himself down down a, a mountainside, a cliffside, and looks like he's about to, you know, really, really deal some amount of damage to someone and then probably die in the process because a very lethal, uh, you know, fling himself off this uh, cliff. Uh, but the OG art is a dragon, and it's just got a bunch of little goblins, yeah, okay, and they're the just all creeping up. They're creeping up with their little daggers, <laughs> ready ready to get in there. Now, uh, it's quite an, the reverse flavor, though, because you are very unlikely to put, you know, seven goblins into play with seven red mana to attack someone really hastily. You're more likely to put the dragon into play. So I would hazard a guess that it should be, you know, seven-odd goblins sleeping and then one dragon sneaking up. But I guess that doesn't really even though it fits the flavour of uh, Legacy and Highlander, it doesn't fit the flavour of the actual card. So, uh, Sneak Attack, I've, I, 
absolutely love to put, uh, you know, Emrakul, Grizzlebrand, basically any of the big heavy hitters, or World Spine Worm, you know, any of these fellas into play with one red mana. Um, and obviously Sneak Attack is a good card there when you're just winning the game with these things. The, the parts that I like about Sneak Attack are these, the parts where you don't just win the game with it because there's more to talk about. Whereas we go, oh, you just put the Emrakul in, they're on 14, and they die. But the part, the times when they're on 16, and you put the Emrakul into play, you attack them down to 1, they sacrifice a bunch of permanents, and then your Emrakul goes back into your deck, as well as your Dig Through Time, your Treasure Cruise, your Jace the Mind Sculptor, all your other cards that shuffle back in and because you delved though delved your lands away with those the treasure crews and the lands are in play as well because you've been playing them all of these things have happened and you then proceed to have a better deck and you get to play your seven points again and uh a rem it's a it's reminisce you're never going to play reminisce in <laughs> a format ever right but uh the opportunity of shuffling your your um you know, like not deck thinning, your deck deck thickening, right? So you're gonna thicken your deck with um, uh, more quality goodness. Uh, those are the games that are just really, really fun for me, <laughs> not not for for my opponent. And they can concede at any time, <laughs> but you'll just proceed to be like, yeah, you're on one. It's okay. Eventually, I'll find my lightning bolt again, or my chain lightning again, yeah, or the emerald again. Uh, and then the other like random times when you're using sneak attack to not win the game because A, it's your it's desperation time, uh, or B, you just want to uh, enjoy uh, Clever Play Syndrome and you, you know, sneak attack in your uh, Torrential True Gear Hulk. And <laughs> <laughs> I have done it before for Lethal. Um, yeah. the, the the best one there was, was sneak attacking in a, a um, Simeon Spirit Guide for Lethal. That was, you know, after oh, yeah, Emrakuling nice, them, nice. and then Simeon Spirit Garden, you, you get them for the two damage. But, uh, you know, you, you, you do the clever play where you sneak attack in your uh, Torrential Gear Hulk to cast your Dig Through Time, and then you use the Dig Through Time to try and find the Emrakul. And the Emrakul, yeah. it's there, or you probably just win the game there. <clears throat> but if it's not, then you just did that so that your your Torrential Gear Hulk can attack their Jason Mind Sculptor and kill it, and the game continues. But you just got a little yeah. bit of value. Uh, it's fun. Like I, I think Sneak Attack just gives you these interesting little lines here and there that are entirely cute, but sometimes are the correct play or sometimes give you some kind of edge. Uh, those, those are the fun things I enjoy about Sneak Attack. Yep. Now, we have one card left. Is that right? Yeah, the so, last category is Planeswalkers. And the card I'm eventually going to choose is, is not going to really surprise anyone that much. Uh, I want to talk a little bit first about what I enjoy in Planeswalkers and what I don't. Because um, having a chat with Brewer uh, recently, and he likes them less than I do, I think it's fair to say, and he won't deny. Mm-hmm. I think Planeswalkers can come in sort of two varieties. Well, I guess there's three, because some of them are just not good cards. Planeswalkers, which are like Oko, uh, uh, I don't like. So these are Planeswalkers which... It's hard for your opponent to relevantly interact with and or the game is 100% about them as soon as you cast them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you cast Oko and if your opponent isn't trying to kill it, they're, they're 
they're going to lose, and it's also quite hard to kill. And that's kind of boring gameplay because it's very... Uh, not quite, but more or less deterministic gameplay, where he's like, look, my options have narrowed to exactly this. The Planeswalkers I find more fun are the ones where you play them and they're good and it gives you a non-trivial advantage, um, quite a sizable advantage sometimes, but they're relatively easy for your opponent to deal with or whilst they're doing something good, they spend a couple of turns doing it and, you know, they'll kill you eventually, but it's not, oh, well, you've cast that, the game is just over. So an example of this, which is not the card I picked, although it was very close, is... Um, I've actually forgotten which Sarkhan it is, but Sarkhan that... The original I was going to say Sarkhan that... Well, I know, because the original one's the, that terrible red-green one. Yeah, the But red the one, one from Khans. Oh, yeah, um, Sarkhan the Mad or something along those lines, right? Like he does... No, 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 no. no um, that's the one from um, World Wake. It's, uh, it's Sarkhan who turns into a 4-4 four, four flyer or flame slashes something. Right, right, yes. Because, um, you know... Dragons are cool. Um, it's it's a way... It is going to kill your opponent if they completely ignore it, but maybe they can race around it. Or if you've got to use its minus ability, it goes down to one loyalty and it's relatively easy for them to kill. So it's a card that um, is powerful, but it's not necessarily... like It's not necessarily that much more powerful than, say, Glorybringer, which, I mean, to be fair, is also a pretty unreasonable card a lot of the time. Um, so it's balanced but, as you're looking at that kind of game balance uh, perspective as well. Yeah, it's going to win you the game if nothing else is going on, mm. but your opponent has several turns before it necessarily matters and they might just be able to kill it. So mm, That's fair. Um, the card I have chosen, which I think falls into this category, although it is you know, sort of at the upper bounds of it, uh, is Chandra Torch of Defiance. Oh, um, nice. Good call. That I love Chandra Torch of Defiance. So, uh, it... I mean, it's red. I like red cards. Uh, I don't know if any of you ever noticed this. Um, yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, her... So I'll go through it for, you know, um, anyone who hasn't seen it. If you haven't, I recommend going out and, you know, uh, exploring magic a bit more because there are a lot of cool, powerful cards. But so it's it's two red and two um, for a four loyalty planeswalker. Um she has two plus ones. So one of them is get two red, which you don't use that often, but when you do, it's really sweet. The other one is reveal the top card of your library and then either cast it or your opponent takes two. Um, minus three to deal four to a creature and then minus seven to get an emblem with whenever you cast a spell, deal five to any target, which is pretty close to win the game. Yes. Um, but there are a number of things I really like about this card. One... Um, the art by um, Mag Magali Villeneuve is incredible. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it is just one of the sweetest pieces of magic art out there. And there is a lot of really sweet magic art, but like oh, this yeah. one is double plus top tier. Um, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a card I've played in a bunch of decks, again, unsurprisingly. Um, you get... A lot of advantage out of it, but there are plenty of board states where your opponent's just like, you're going to draw a card for three turns before that ultimate happens, and I don't care. Um, you know, I can hopefully kill you before you gain enough advantage to take re to retake control of the board, or I can just attack into a... Or if you've got to kill a creature and I've got multiple creatures, then we're just sort of, you know, going 
pretty close to one for one and you gain a little bit of life, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's sweet. It is, I mean, obviously a very powerful card, but it's, yeah, it's the kind of Planeswalker I like because you feel powerful when you play it, you get a lot of advantage, but it's beatable. Yep. No, that makes sense. I like it. So for mine, I also have, uh, so I, I have a Planeswalker, but it's uh, multicolored. Now, yep. the uh, the good thing is it's not Oko. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mine is, uh, I, I was really tempted to try and fit Liliana Last Hope as my Planeswalker, yep. but it used my black category, and I don't love Liliana Last Hope. I just like winning with her. It's just, yeah, yep. it's yep. just fun. But the the card that I really, truly like, and I think sums up everything I like to do in Highlander, is Nahiri the Harbinger. Uh, oh, of course it is. Yeah, yep. so for Nahiri... For, for, for some reason, I was thinking, is Sav going to choose Teferi and it's going to be really awkward with all that stuff I just said? But no, of course it's Nahiri. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and I think Nahiri is a really good example of a Planeswalker that fits that category where yeah. they have time to interact with it, but not so much time that she's underpowered. She's yeah. she's going to go up in loyalty pretty quickly. Uh, she's going to manage the board state, but your opponent can play around how they manage the board state. They could always not tap the creature, so don't pressure it, but maybe pressure it in a different way until it's dead, then start turning their creature sideways. There's lots of different things they can do, so it's a very interactive Planeswalker. The yep. reason that I like her so much is uh, she, f- she fulfills my two favourite halves of Highlander. Doing fair stuff where you trade with your opponent one for one and then you get a two for one and you feel like you've vaulted so far ahead and yeah, yeah. you know that really really uh fair back and forth interplay of magic the gathering um and then it also combines the other end of the spectrum which is doing something degenerate maybe not right now i very rarely play a combo deck that goes off on turn one i'll play a mid-range deck that has a combo finish, a control deck that has a combo finish, or a combo that doesn't go off turn one, goes off consistently on, you know, turn five or something, but there's some other selling point to it where, you know, it's a lot more interactive or it's a lot more resilient against hate or whatever it might be. So I think she sums those those two sides of my personality up so well uh, where I, I so often sleeve her up because I kind of go, oh, maybe I can splash red because it's going to give me uh, this particular finisher. Or maybe I splash white because with Nahiri, I'll be able to deal with enchantments, which my blue-red deck couldn't deal with, or whatever it might be. Um, There's nothing more satisfying than just jamming that Nahiri, uh, discarding a card from your hand, which was a card you never wanted in the first place, like Emrakul, and then drawing a new card with it, effectively drawing another card, and being on six loyalty, and your opponent looking at it going like, yeah, that's alright, yep, you didn't affect the board, oh, wait a second, now she's on eight loyalty? And that is really, really uh, uh, fun, uh, that that kind of threatening uh, posture you get to do, make your opponent kind of sweat a little bit, and, you know, I like discarding Emrakul and... Every time I have Emrakul in a deck, I've got, like, Is It Charm, Desolate Lighthouse, or Loot House, as it's yeah. called. I wanted to put Desolate Loot House in here somewhere. It didn't quite work, because uh, it's multicolored. 
and, you know, Nahiri and Dak Faden and, you know, all these kind of things, you're just going to discard that Emrakul. Reminisce? <laughs> hmm, I'm reminiscing about good times I have with shuffling my deck. <laughs> um, now, although this brings us to the end of our list, uh, I have one honourable mention, which is for multicoloured. Uh, I wanted to fit this in as multicoloured, but it didn't fit into my instant slot. Uh, it's Esper Charm. Uh, oh yeah, that card's sweet. Oh, I love me an Esper Charm. It does all the things I want to do. Draw cards during my opponent's turn, make my opponent discard cards, especially cards they've just drawn, and destroy choke. You know, these are all things I love to do. Uh, the problem with Esper Charm is when you're playing an Esper, when you're playing Esper, uh, which is uh, black, white, and blue, when you're playing Esper Control, and you look at all the cards as the options that you can play, and you assemble your 60 cards, and Esper Charm is always that 61st card, because it's yeah. just not quite strong enough, there's something wrong with the charm of those colours, right? <laughs> if the, you know, when you look at Izzet Charm, you're like, well, I'm playing Izzet Colours, I'm probably, I've got Izzet Charm in there somewhere, probably, if it's right for the deck. But when, you know, you're playing a control deck and you just can't fit in the the named charm. I think that's I think that's true of most of the three color charms. Like they're mostly just not quite good enough. Because mm-hmm. um, you're rarely getting three manners worth of effect out of them. Yes. Um, whereas the two mana charms, it's easy to get a bunch of things which are worth two mana or are close enough to two mana. Exactly. Um, but yeah, no, look, th- those are sweet. Um, yeah, I think that was a cool exercise. Yeah, so if you um, have been listening at home and you enjoyed that exercise, uh, we challenge you. We challenge you to write down on a piece of paper, artifact, land, enchantment, instant sorcery, planeswalker, creature. Uh, cut that piece of paper up into seven pieces. Get another piece of paper and go colourless, red, blue, green, white, black, multicolour. Cut that up into seven pieces. Shuffle them around and start to try and assign a card to these combinations of categories, you'll find it not only really, really difficult, but extremely rewarding when you actually get your final seven. Yeah. It was so much fun, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, look, I would like to come up with a rule that makes picking lands easier. Because I, I found lands were the hardest one to do by far. Like, lands were a bit nightmarish um, for my uh, position because most of the ones I wanted to pick were colorless um, but it's still I mean doing it this way is still a really interesting challenge um, and yeah we would love to see some yeah um, if you do we have... don't get to see them for quite a while because we're recording this and it's uh, November um, yeah. but <laughs> you know right. we'll be so excited to hear about you talking about these things but we're probably gonna forget about it well, and it... then suddenly you know one month later in Christmas time we'll get all these posts on the uh on the Twitter or the internets, and... <laughs> I mean, it is essentially... I'm not 100% sure what date this is going to go out, but this is essentially going to be a bunch of uh, New Year's gifts you can give to Sarv and me. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I would absolutely love to see them. Um, it's really interesting. It makes you think of cards that you haven't really thought of before. Like, it was a bit of a... I'm not going to lie. Finding a blue card that I could say I love... 
that didn't clash with any of my other categories was hard um, <laughs> because, you know, I don't play blue that much uh, as a rule of thumb. That's fair. Um, and several of the cards I would have put on here are points because um, I was like, oh, yeah, mana drain. Oh, no. Yeah, I really wanted my <laughs> artifact to be green and it to be birthing pot. Birthing pod, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's actually it's actually way more interesting if you choose non-pointed cards with this exercise because yeah. you get to explore, you know, really unique things about your own personality of the things that you like to play rather than just the raw power. So, um, and, and if you want to add a story that goes along with how you selected these cards, um, that'd be great. Post them on the Discord, send them to me on Twitter, um, blah, blah, blah. We should probably tell you where, where you can contact us on all those things, of course. So the first way you can contact us is uh, you can join our Patreon. Uh, so it's patreon.com slash HighlanderCast. Uh, you can chip in whatever money you want per episode. And for that, you get to ask us questions, give us episode suggestions. Um, sometimes, like the zoo episode, which I have hopefully not deleted, it takes a while for that to actually come to fruition. But <laughs> we'll do our best to do it eventually in the fullness of time. Um I'm really gra- glad that you did the outro and it wasn't that creepy, <laughs> non-specific festive season character again. It was oh, weird. Look. We should make sure he does not break into our house again. Yeah, we should. Or into your car, as the case may be. That's right. Um, yeah, leaving me weird gifts around the place. So uh, there's the Patreon. Uh, as I mentioned, you can uh, find us on Twitter. So we're uh, HighlanderCast on Twitter or you can talk to me directly as at uh, Vancian Notions. Uh, Sav... Uh, I might steal his phone at the GP and install it. We'll find out. <laughs> um, uh, you can talk to us on Facebook. There's the main Highlander Facebook group, which I think is Seven Point Highlander probably, um, or maybe National Highlander List. I can't remember offhand. Uh, or you can find us on uh, the Highlander cast on Facebook as well. Um, there's a Discord, which I will include in the show notes. Uh, you can come along there and talk to us. Or you can come and talk to us. No, you can't come and talk to us at the GP because that is in the past. It's in the future past. Depending on when this goes out, uh, you might see some members of the Highlander community at Moxing Day, which is on the 27th of December at Maze of Fitz in Melbourne. Um, If not, uh, I hope it was great uh, if that was in the past. Definitely in the future from when this goes to air is Highlander Nationals at CanCon, which is the 26th-ish of January. Um, There'll be something on the GamesCat website. Um, and I'll try and include in the show notes what the actual date is because I have proof now that people can see them and read them, which I had never actually known before. Yeah, that's a, that's a good sign. And then we have uh, Adelaide Eternal Cup uh, last weekend of March. So last weekend of March, yeah. a whole bunch of things that are going on in, in a span of about, you know, three, four months. So hopefully we're going to see you at one of those things. Uh, yeah. I'm off. And so cool. I think uh, uh, farewell and uh, happy holidays to everyone. Happy holidays, everyone. I hope you had uh, had and or have fabulous holidays of whichever kind of denomination. Hope you have happy holidays of whichever kind of denomination or secularism uh, is your preference. And uh, we'll see you in the new year. Bye, everyone. Bye. Ho, ho, ho. Get out of here. <laughs>